Welcome to the Butterfly Broadcast, sharing stories of transformation after pregnancy and infant loss. I'm your host, Bailey DeMars. Speaking of transformations, this podcast is brought to you by perhaps the most transformative product that exists for your skin, Promycin, an acne treatment that actually works and fast. My cute husband has had acne since he was a teenager, and this summer he used Promycin, and for the first time ever, his back was clear. I'm not kidding. I saw a difference after one use, and five days later, the acne was gone. Promycin comes from the Cara Poloni skincare line, and I love and use all of her products, including micro needle powder cleanser, nano silver spray, healing facial serum, hydrating kiss mist spray, and their lip balm. My favorite part is that every ingredient is natural and supplied by the wholesaler Bulk Naturals. So get your skin transformation started at carapaloni.com or simply just Google Promyosin. Mallory, welcome to the Butterfly Broadcast. Thank you so much for having me, Bailey. Well, the pleasure is mine. I got to know you through a social media account, which is called Seeking Success. And it is something that really has touched me and has been so relatable. So I just was dying to know the story behind it. And I am grateful you accepted the invitation to open up and share more about that. Well, thank you. I have, I'm excited to talk about my son. You know, I, I want his life, to, his life, of course, already has purpose, but I want people to know about it. And I, when you ask me, I just thought this is my chance to be able to show my son's purpose in life. Good. That is, that is exactly my goal. So first, let's get to know Mallory a little bit better and tell me a couple interesting things about yourself. Well, I um, used to be a public school teacher. I taught sixth grade. And I love, love teaching. It was something that from the time that I was a little girl, I I always knew I wanted to be a teacher. And I think it was because I babysat a lot. I loved children. I I come from a family of five kids. And I just, I knew that that's how I wanted my career to be. And funny enough, I didn't want to leave when I found out I was pregnant with my first. I didn't want to leave the classroom, but I knew I needed to be home with my son and felt lucky enough that I could. And so now I homeschool. So I'm glad that I get to keep those skills up as a teacher for my children. So how lucky are they that they have someone so experienced to teach them? Yes. I love it. It's, it's our family. We kind of have a family culture of things that we enjoy doing. And I'm, I'm sure a lot of that stems from what my husband and I like to do. You know, we love gardening. We love being outside and nature and hiking and that's homeschooling, you know, encompasses a lot of those things for us. So it's, it's been a great adventure for us so far. Well, awesome. Well, I'd love to jump into knowing more about your family and your family dynamic and and how this whole story began. We, our story began, um, my husband and I went to the same college. We went to BYU, Idaho, but we actually never, we, we knew each other a little bit, but we had, we had only met once and kind of hung out in the same circles, but never with each other. (laughs) And I actually graduated and came to Utah to be a teacher. 
And he was up at school for a little while longer and then came down to Utah to do grad school. And um, we actually connected again on Facebook, <laughs> funny enough, because I had asked if someone would come in and, and help me teach or be a guest speaker on a lecture. And he, he wasn't, he didn't say he could do it, but he offered a friend up and I never called his friend. He asked me on a date and the rest is history. So he's now a professor at UVU. He's a, a mechanical engineering professor and we have four children. Our oldest is Tyler. He's eight and he's just like his dad. He's super smart. And then Kennedy is six and she's just like me. She's very sweet and sensitive. And then we have our third Fisher and he's two and he is just like, reminds me of all the good things in this world. He's such a happy little boy. And then our fourth is Seth, who kind of is the, the reason for it all. Yes. So how did things go, you know, starting this plan for Seth? And... Well, so before we found out about Seth, um, our family, you know, I had kind of been in this phase where I thought, how big do I want our, we were kind of trying to decide how big do we want our family to be? And I had had this feeling and this thought that our family wasn't finished and my husband had felt the same way and we had decided that we were ready to start trying for our fourth child and um but at the time there you know think we had had some things going on in our lives that were maybe not perfect and we we kind of had the conversation about whether or not it was the right time to bring another child into the world and we just wanted to make sure that our children all had good relationships in their lives and good people in their corner. And that was really important for us, you know, to make sure that the family that we were bringing into this world had just a team around them. That's so important to me. So anyway, I I had had a hard time getting pregnant with my third. It had actually almost taken us three years. And, um, I, you know, I knew it was going to take a while because it had taken us a while to get pregnant with our third. And, so I thought, okay, we, you know, we can work on whatever we need to work on in our lives and be heading in the right direction of, you know, having, growing our family, but also making sure, you know, we've got good relationships with people and that we're growing as a family in a great way. And I didn't realize that Seth was going to come so quickly, but he came and I mean, we found out about him immediately after we decided that we were ready. And I just, I had this feeling the minute I found out a bit about him, I, I, I felt his spirit, you know, in the, if I can say that, I, I just, I felt strongly that he was ready to come and be with our family. And I, that was kind of the hallmark of my pregnancy with him was, I felt like our relationship started at a really early point from finding out about him. And I was so excited for him. Um, he, it's funny because just before, you know, kind of the calm before our storm, we had gone to church and we were sitting there and we were sitting in the bench and I looked over at my husband as I was rubbing my stomach and Seth was, you know, inside. And I just, I had this overwhelming feeling come over me about how excited I was to have a fourth child. And I, I sat there thinking I will embrace every bit of crazy that comes to me. I will embrace a dirty house. I'm a very clean person. And so for me having to say, I will embrace that dirty house and whatever comes, I was so excited. And that day at church, I, everybody that asked me about my pregnancy, I was excited to tell them how excited I was to have this big full family and that we were excited to welcome our fourth child. And even that night, my husband said to me that he felt the same and that he was, he just had been overcome that day with excitement for our fourth child. And, um, 
I, I had also had this feeling after we got home from church, I thought, you know, we need to do something nice for our neighbors. We, they're, they're always doing stuff for us. And, you know, the further along I get in this pregnancy, I'm going to be less and less likely to be able to help and serve people. And so I'm going to do this now while I can. And so we, I called my grandma for a recipe for this really yummy lemon poppy seed bread. And we made these loaves of poppy seed bread for all of our neighbors. And we took it around with little notes. And I had, I, because I was pregnant and big and kind of sore, I was standing in there wrapping everything up. And my husband took our kids around to the neighbors and dropped them off. And as I was cleaning up the kitchen while they were gone and I had a moment of quiet, I just thought, you know, it's really good that you did this now and that you served your neighbors because they're going to serve you a lot later. And I thought then, I thought, oh, it's because I'm having a baby. They're going to be, they're going to help me with this. And I'm sure they'll be bringing me lots of meals and things. And, and I was just grateful. I was grateful that I had listened to that thought and had done that. Um, and before I get too far into that, um, just every, every checkup with Seth was perfect. He was, a perfect baby. He was beautiful. His heart rate was all right, you know, just right where it needed to be. And I'd always ask the doctor questions about, you know, how he was growing and how he looked and percentile wise where he was. And every time he was just right on. And I remember at 16 weeks when we found out he was a boy, the radiologist or the, yeah, the technician just said, are you so sad that you're having a third boy? And I said, no, I, I'm so excited to be having a third boy. You know, my, my one daughter, she can hang with the boys. And I, I just, I feel like I have a special relationship with all of my children, but I really have a special relationship with my boys. And I was so excited to have a third and to just have the crazy in my house that everybody said I would have with three boys. So anyway, I, yeah, I, my pregnancy with him was joyful and it was happy and I felt really close to him. Um, but there was, every time I went in, I, I'd had you know, some anxiety about his movement. I would feel him move occasionally, but I just thought, oh, man, on my fourth pregnancy, I normally feel him, my babies move a little bit sooner. And normally I have really active babies and he just seems, maybe he's just got a quiet personality or something. And I would express that to our technicians and they would say things like, you know, you're, maybe your placenta's in front, maybe it's nothing. And, or, you know, you're too far, you're too soon. He's really small. You, it's, really not likely that you're going to be feeling him a bunch now. Um, but about a month before he passed away, I went into the doctor and into the hospital, into labor and delivery. And I just said, I, I haven't felt him move for a while. And they kind of uh, challenged me on all the things that they typically do. You know, when you're, you're not feeling your baby move, they said, have you, how long have you been waiting? Have you, did you eat something? And have you waited two hours? And, you know, have you flipped on your side? Have you had juice? And at that point, I felt like something was really wrong, and I lied. And I just said, yeah, I have, because I felt frantic. And when we got in there, um, they said, oh, his heart is beating fine. We don't feel like we need to do an ultrasound, because he's I, his heart is doing great. And I left feeling like, okay, I'm just being, I'm having too much anxiety. You know, I'm worried. It's okay. You know, my doctors know what they're doing, and I'm just letting it get to my head. And so as time went on, you know, about a week after that, I told my husband that I just felt really emotional and I'd had kind of these strong emotions and, I'd, you know, been feeling like I needed to cry a lot more and I didn't know what it was. And I just thought maybe my hormones were changing. And um, we actually went, my grandpa passed away a few years ago and we went to go visit 
you know, and sit by his headstone and we dropped off a flower. And I didn't know then that I was visiting, you know, the place my son would be buried in just a week, after, a week after we went to visit my grandpa, because my son Seth is buried right next to my grandpa. Um, but anyway, like getting into the, the hard part of it all, um, I was getting ready to go to my 24 week appointment or, and, and it was a couple days later than my 24 weeks because I needed to be seen at a certain time. And I hadn't been feeling him move consistently throughout the weekend. And it was my daughter's birthday and we had lots going on. And I thought maybe it's just because I'm so busy and I'll just go in during my appointment. And I went in that morning and the first thing my doctor said as she came through the door was, you've reached viability. If your baby was born now, he'd be alive and he could live on his own. And the minute she said that, I just had this sinking feeling like, before you say anything, doctor, you know, make sure that everything's okay. And she got the Doppler and put it on my stomach and that very familiar sound of, you know, kind of that static and trying to adjust to find a heartbeat started. And it usually, I know what it usually takes a few seconds, so I didn't worry at first. And I noticed she was pushing harder and going longer and going all around my stomach and she looked at me and said, oh, I'm so sorry, honey. I, I can't hear it, but let's get you over to ultrasound and and maybe maybe we can just find it there. Maybe he's flipped a funny way. And I started crying because I, I knew he had passed away. And so I walked through the lobby of these pregnant ladies and I was trying to hide my face because I didn't want to scare anybody. And I went into ultrasound and the same ultrasound tech that had done every ultrasound for him was there. And when she put the Doppler, when she put the little wand on my stomach I saw my sweet little baby boy and he was just so calm and peaceful and still and up on the screen she couldn't hide it fast enough but I saw the words fetal demise on the top and she confirmed that he had passed away and told us some information about him and she said would you like a few last pictures before before we send you home and so she printed me out five little pictures of his face and and my husband hadn't gotten there yet. I had This was the one appointment that I had gone to alone. And I had left him. I had taken the car with all of our car seats in the car. And he ended up unpacking our infant seat for our, our toddler to try and run to me. And he, he brought him in to this appointment. And they were all in their pajamas, you know, because it was early. And they saw me and my daughter just said, is everything okay with the baby? And that was such a challenging time to have to tell my sweet kids, you know, what had happened. And that day kind of began our journey of learning some really hard lessons and having to teach our kids really difficult things at such young ages. Um, but I went home and I had, you know, I, I don't think I've been left alone once since that day. I just, my, my army gathered around me. You know, the things that I had been praying for before we had, before we decided to have Seth, I had been praying, you know, for that army of people to be around me. And they showed up that day. They stayed with me and I was never alone as I had to keep Seth in my body for two more days while um, I waited to give birth. Um, and that night we checked into the hospital and I went into my room and it was, we had originally chosen the hospital to deliver at because it was small and quiet. And um, we walked in and I didn't hear anybody else and they walked me to a back room and got me settled in and it was just such a such a difference from my previous labor and delivery experiences you know they didn't hook me up to a doppler i didn't hear my baby's heartbeat as i sat there in labor everything was quiet they didn't 
do any cervical checks or things. They had given me medication to start labor and the nurse said, it's, it's probably going to take a while. I'm going to step out. I need to go do some things and I'll be back to check on you. And at that point, I could feel my body starting to go into labor and I had decided that I didn't want to have an epidural. I, I just felt like, you know, I was in so much mental pain already that I, I just thought, oh, I, I just want to feel it all. I just want to feel the physical pain and the mental pain because that's how I feel right now. And um, anyway, I, I started to feel like I was going to give birth, but neither my doctor or my nurse were there. And my husband was getting frantic and he just said, can I please go get someone? And I had the feeling that I just wanted to have that moment alone with our family. I wanted Seth to be able to come into the world in a peaceful and quiet way. And he did, he came, he was born and no one was there. And I gave birth to him. And um, I just remember not knowing exactly what to expect when I saw him. How big was he gonna be? Was he going to be, you know, was he going to look different? And when I, you know, looked down and picked him up in my arms, he looked like a perfectly healthy baby. He was beautiful and he just looked so serene and calm and his little arms were just up by his face, and I remember holding him there with my husband and and everything, all the all the frighteningness that we had just been having with me going into labor by myself kind of calmed down, and everything was calm and quiet, and um, it, that, it was just a really spiritual moment there, you know, sitting with our, our little family all alone. Um, Anyway, I, I forgot to mention, just before he passed away, one of the last times that I felt him move, um, I was kind of busy in, in my bedroom. I was folding some clothes, and my kids were downstairs with their dad, and I'd had this feeling as I, I felt him kicking around. And I thought, yes, finally, he's moving. He's, he's moving around for me. And I had this feeling that he was scared. And I just thought, I need to probably sit down and rub my stomach or something, Maybe I'm, again, you know, feeling like I was having anxiety. I sat down in my closet and rubbed my stomach and sang to him. Um, and I never felt him move again after that experience. And so that was the last time that I remember feeling him alive. And so when he was born and I could see how beautiful he was and his sweet little legs, I, it was special to see that that had, he was who I had felt moving inside of me. He was real. He had... He'd lived, he'd had a heartbeat, and, you know, even though he was no longer with me, we had been able to have a special relationship together, and I got to know him while he was inside, and it was it was really special, and something that I carry with me now, as our, you know, our relationship has to grow in a different way. We don't get to talk to each other. I, I talk to him all the time. I sit and talk to him, but, you know, our relationship doesn't look like it. I wanted it to. What happened once they just given birth. The nurse walked in and she said, oh my goodness, I can't believe that this all happened so fast. Um, and, and she said, I, I didn't even think you were going into labor that quickly, but it, it happened really, really fast. And so she came in and some other nurses came in. And of course, I, I wasn't thinking about taking pictures, but thankfully there was this sweet nurse, another nurse that came in and she grabbed our phones and started taking some of the most precious pictures that we'll ha we have now of his little body and his face and hands and feet and us together holding him. And, you know, I told my nurses then that I really wanted it to feel as normal as possible. I didn't want 
his birth, it already felt somber, but I didn't want it to continue feeling somber. I wanted them to treat him like he was a living baby, and I wanted them to treat me, you know, the same, and to be happy and to smile and to not worry about me being emotional. And if I was, you know, they were so kind anyway, but my husband helped to get his measurements and helped to get everything taken care of for him, and we held him, and then we... I had, I had worried about if people would want to come and see him from our family. And I'd worried about having, introducing him to my children because they were so young. But I, I just felt like them being able to meet, everyone in our family being able to meet Seth was really important to me. So about 6 a.m., my family started to roll into the hospital because he was born at 3 in the morning. And so they gave us a few hours of alone time with him. And then family came and we kind of decided that, we just Brett and I, my husband and I would hold him and everybody came in and got to see him and meet him and talk to him. And then we spent the whole day with him. We spent until about four o'clock with him and we had share parents come in. Um, Jane came in and she was so, she gave us gifts that I didn't even, you know, when you're in that situation, you don't think of the things that you need. And you don't realize until later, you think you've gotten all these mementos and pictures and things, but it's not enough to cover a lifetime of things that you miss out on. And so Jane, Jane from Cher made little foot and hand impressions that are just a treasure to me now. She took pictures, she helped us wrap him in blankets and things that my children now have as their own. And she took his little footprints and handprints and we spent time with him. Um, but eventually there there came a time when we were watching him and I just felt like before he before he had ever before he'd been born, I thought, oh, I'm gonna stay with him forever. I just I'm not gonna be able to let go of him. But it it got to the point where it felt like it wasn't we needed to let him, you know, go and we needed to start preparing for his funeral because his funeral is gonna be just two days after he was born. And we had the most wonderful and amazing I, I don't want to call she's a mortician. She came, and I know that sounds like such a sad word, but she was like an angel on earth. I think she just knew and could tell that a mother having to let her child go is really difficult. She brought this beautiful blanket in, this gorgeous white crocheted blanket, and laid it down, and she could see that I was having a tough time, you know, putting him on the blanket for her to take. And she let me have as much time as I needed, and then we... You know, we read books to him and sang to him and set him down on the blanket and she let us wrap him up and she carried him out like he was, a, you know, a brand new baby that she was just taking, you know, to walk down the hall. And she promised me on the way out that she would take good care of him and she would keep him safe. And um, after after he left, we got ourselves ready. And, you know, normally after you have a baby, you have to you get to go home and rest and relax. And, you know, there are some things you have to do after you have a baby that are hard, but we had to go home and prepare a funeral and pick things out, pick a casket out, pick flowers and write talks. My husband and I both spoke at his funeral. And so we we started to do that. And our, our family, thankfully, was there and helped us to do all of the little details and things that would have been hard for us to do. Um, but as the next day we got to go back and we got to dress him to put inside of his casket. And, um, I had felt so bad my whole pregnancy because he was my third boy. I didn't buy many clothes for him because I thought 
we had plenty of clothes and I would, I needed to go through them and I had planned to go through them a little later on as I was getting his room organized and I never did that. So he never had his own piece of clothing. And so I felt like I wanted to be the one that sewed his, the gown that he would wear and be buried in. Um, and it's kind of a tradition that we started in our family that each of our babies wear the same gown when they're blessed. And so my, my daughters have one, only daughter has one, and my sons all have one that they wear. But it was obviously way too big for him, and I didn't know how to hem it down to his size. So I decided that I'd use a blanket that all of my children had been blessed in. It was a little white crocheted blanket, and I actually sewed that into his burial gown. And that was a special little gift from that I felt like I could give him, you know, it was to be able to make something special. And I'm not a great seamstress or anything, but I definitely feel like I had some help, you know, from unseen places that helped me to make sure that he would be buried in the right thing. And it was just the right size for him. And we were able to put him in that and, and bury him. And, um, I think just kind of my whole thing throughout all of this is you, you feel so, before it ever happens to you, you think that would be the worst, most lonely thing that could ever happen to you. And it is. It, it truly is. But um, I think sometimes when people say you're so strong, how do you get through it? It's because of all the people that are around you when you're going through it. And I, I hope that everybody has that the blessing of close relationships and, and family to be there with them. And I know that not everybody does, but I, I felt like that was one of the reasons that I was able to get through it. It's because of our, our circle of people. What did life start looking like once that new chapter would be closed? You know, I worried. I Before, you know, we knew anything was wrong, I we had made this big family bucket list of things we wanted to do. You know, and it was like, okay, he's going to be, he was supposed to be born in July, but he was born in April. And so we'd made a big bucket list of summer things we'd do before the new baby came. And then, you know, I, I had decided that in August, after he was born, it was going to be our sit down and relax time. Um, so when I came home and we weren't really feeling like doing much, I realized we, we had to. We had three living children at home that we had to get up for. And, and I'm so grateful for them because I think they, I think having living children really does make a difference in recovery. And um our family, we love gardening. Gardening is a huge part of our family life. And we've always had raspberry patches and pumpkin patches and apple trees. And, you know, in spring, that's when you're supposed to be starting your garden. And I had come home to a yard and a garden that were desperately needing attending to, you know, they needed us to get out there and do something on them. And I didn't want to, I wanted to just lay in bed and be sad and I think a prompting from all of my children and my husband, it was, we just need to plant a garden, even if it's not perfect, even if it doesn't make a lot of fruit or vegetables, even if it's not like we've had in the past, we, we just have to plant it. And so, you know, we were late, so we had to go and buy garden starts from everywhere. And we planted this little, I call it my grief garden, because I did it when I was at the saddest point of my experience and in the thick of it, you know, when I, they say you never you never get over it, but you have to get through it. And that was one of my parts of getting, not, yeah, just getting through it and making, putting that one foot in front of the other. And our garden, whenever people come over to see it, <laughs> it's kind of a pathetic and sad garden, but we planted it. We tried and we did our best. And 
you know, life now, I think I was trying to think about what my goal is now and what my purpose is for, you know, wanting to be on this podcast to talk about Seth and what my purpose is now that we've been through such a hard thing. And I hope that as the years go on that I'll be able to do something wonderful, you know, because of this. And I hope that I'll be able to turn into an amazing person and change lives or affect something somewhere. But I think for now, and the reason behind seeking for Seth is my my goal now is to live life and to live the life that Seth didn't get to live and to find purpose, even if it's a small purpose. Maybe my purpose isn't to change the entire world, but maybe my purpose is to change me or you know, make me better and, and to make my son proud. I still feel like he's a very active part of my life and my spirit and our family. We mention him all the time and I, I want to live for him and make him proud. So that's my goal in my life now. But is there, you know, one little fraction of advice or a thought that you would leave with somebody who is in the thick of it right now? You know, when I was going through the thick of it, and, you know, I still kind of feel like I am some days, most days, but a friend wrote me a card, and she had lost her mom, and she said, I'll never forget this, we live by it all the time, but she said, not everything happens for a purpose, but God makes a purpose out of everything. And I, I you know, a lot of people try to make a purpose out of why Seth passed, why he died, you know, was it to change hearts, or was it to bring people together? And I know that Seth didn't die because of that, and I that wasn't his whole purpose in life. I think biology happens, but... I want to create a purpose out of his life and I want, you know, God and every, everything to work in our lives to make it better. And I hope that, I hope no one ever who's lost a child ever feels like their child died for a reason, but I hope that they find purpose in what's happened. Well, is there anything else you'd like to add before I let you go? You know, I, I just hope that anybody who listens to this, I've, I've listened to all of your podcasts now, and I've found so much strength in people who have gone through this as well. And I just hope that if anybody is struggling and feels like they need a friend to talk to, I hope everybody knows that I would, you know, I also need the same thing. And I'm here for those people that, that need to talk about it. And I hope that those people that have lost children or grandchildren or you know, their, know their friends that have lost children. I hope that, you know, they can find purpose as well and find comfort in the knowledge that our children still exist. Thank you very much for opening up here on the podcast and for listening to the other episodes because I do agree with you. There are some incredible guests who have shared their stories and each one of them molds and shapes me and my perspective on on grief and and life so thank you for being another one of those people for me thank you bailey for having me i it's been an honor likewise well i will include your instagram handle in the description um, but i look forward to staying in contact with you and uh, we'll be in touch soon okay thank you bailey thank you you take care Thanks, you too. Bye. Bye.